1: Hello, everybody at home, and welcome. This is Punch It Writing in Star Trek, episode seventy-seven-zero. I am your co-host Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always,
0: is Charlene Schmidt.
1: Oh, Charlene Schmidt! Today is a fun day because it can go in any direction. This is this mm-hmm. isn't a what-if scenario. This isn't writing on the fly. We're not making a movie. We're not doing anything fancy or schmancy. But what we are talking about today is romance in star trek and how it was written was it written appropriately was it written well was it off topic was it crazy was it unbelievable and so (laughs) there's not just one example in star trek there's lots of examples in star trek but sometimes star trek can be you know criticized for its romance or sexuality or its views thereof or it didn't go far enough or it went too far on certain areas
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: So it's just, I'm I'm super excited about today because of that. But before we get into that, we want to mention a little business at the top. If you've been listening to us for the past couple of episodes, you know that the Nerd Party was hit with a legal claim. And... It is a crappy situation. Uh, We're sad that it happened, and uh, we've asked you guys for help, and a lot of you have come in in full force, and just there's been an outpouring of affection and donations and assistance and people spreading the word, and we really do thank you for that. We're trying to fight it. We're trying to fight it as hard as we possibly can. And we need your help because we don't have the resources to fight it, but we know the internet does. And we know that our fans mm-hmm. do. And um, you guys have been listening to us for years and years and some of you years and years and years. And yes. uh, so we ask for your help because we still have a long way to go. We have a long way to go with the GoFundMe, but we all, we're only going to promote it for a little bit longer. You can go to GoFundMe.com slash The Nerd Party to find out more as well as to donate. Again, that's GoFundMe.com slash The Nerd Party. For those of you who don't know, the, The Nerd Party doesn't have anything like business insurance or anything like that. So anything that The GoFundMe doesn't raise has to come out of yours truly's personal finances because i'm the publisher of the network so right. anything and everything that you can give is helpful any amount is helpful again that's gofundme.com slash the nerd party if for some reason you don't want to use gofundme you can use paypal at paypal.me slash the nerd again that's paypal.me slash the nerd party all right enough business <laughs>
0: <laughs> should we mention that the person who won our book giveaway for the itunes reviews received it today said he's very excited cannot wait to dig in and so it's for real guys we gave away a book (laughs) (laughs) it happened and went into good hands one of our longtime listeners even so that's the reward for helping us out it really does go a long way so if you have not left us a review in iTunes make it so
1: yes please go to iTunes give us a review if you give us a five-star rating we'll mention you on the show Thank you so much for, for the people who did review and rate and everything like that. And uh, I must have missed that notification that uh, the individual received the book. So that's so
0: great. We got it just this morning right before we hit the record button. So <laughs> it's in your mailbox waiting for you.
1: The Winner, if you're listening, post it. Post a picture of you holding the book or, 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 yeah, or with that. some of your other Star Trek memorabilia. We'd love to see you and see you enjoy this paperback. So romance. Romance and Star Trek.
0: Romance. Boy, do we have a lot to cover. As you said just a moment ago, we have the whole gamut here. We have really well done romance, long term romance. We have the stuff that just didn't really work out very well. We have the really juvenile stuff. (laughs) I mean, we've got a whole lot of things to discuss. So let's dig in.
1: So, overall, let's let's give a, a general impression, because we could go down a list of pairings, uh, like whether they worked, whether they didn't, which I think would be fine to do.
0: I'm sure we will eventually, use yeah. For examples, yeah.
1: But what what's your general consensus on romance in Star Trek? Do you think, like, not a lot of people see Star Trek as a romantic show or a, a show with a no. lot of sexuality. So, how do you personally feel about it? How do you feel it was portrayed in its writing?
0: I definitely have mixed feelings about it. <laughs> I definitely think it gets a little better when you get into the DS9 and Voyager days. And I want to say it continued, but then we had Enterprise where uh, trip into Paul I feel like there were some missteps there. So overall, um not terribly great. Can we put it that way? How about you?
1: Probably the same. I mean, I think it's it's definitely like the fifth or sixth most important theme in the show. <laughs> it's,
0: it's pretty far down there, really. I mean, for such a uh, introspective show that relates to characters so deeply, yeah, romance really takes a back seat.
1: It does. And, I mean, you could say that that's a bad thing or that's a shame, but with a show like Star Trek, when the emphasis is so much on the exploration of space and the expansion of humanity and moral reasoning, moral code... And just discovery in general, it, you know, it's okay if one theme takes a back burner because like not every not every show, you know, has a great romantic presence. And like if you look at one of our favorite shows, House of Cards, I mean, that's not a romantic show. I mean, it, like it has some really no. screwed up pairings. I think they're <laughs> well written.
0: There are a lot of pairings. I mean, the main characters are a married couple, but romance is very much not A part of most of that show.
1: Yeah. But if you look at a show, a very popular show that's been on for over a decade now is Grey's Anatomy, even though that's a medical show, romance is a heavy, heavy theme, heavily showcased theme in the show. People watch that show for the drama as well as the romance. And Mm -hmm. that's just what it is. And so. There's a lot of shows with a lot of emphasis on relationships and comedy or relationships and drama or relationships and action, but Star Trek just isn't one of them.
0: No. And in fact, when Star Trek was just getting started, the network execs said of the very first pilot, it's way too cerebral. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I don't know if Star Trek ever fully lost that edge. It is a little cerebral. These Starfleet officers are on a mission. They have a lot of other things on their mind. Exploring space, first contact with alien beings, trying to either prevent wars or fighting wars if they're in them. Romance, if it happens, great. But a lot of times, I kind of wonder if it even occurs to them half the time.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. I think (laughs) even if it's an afterthought in the themes of the show or even in the universe, it's definitely an afterthought in in the writer's room. I remember there was an old ALF TV movie and
0: (laughs) there was. Oh, my God.
1: There was. And I loved it. It took place after the show ended. And he's on an army base, like he was captured and he's on an army base and they they are asking him questions and everything like that. And the woman asking him questions, like she's holding up like ink blots and stuff like that and photos of other things, asking him his pop culture knowledge. And he holds up, uh, she holds up a picture of the Enterprise and he's like, I was wondering when we were going to get to the Star Trek stuff. (laughs) And um, she's like, ah, so you are aware of uh, Captain Kirk and his five-year mission. And he's like, what I do know is... It's a show about a bunch of people flying around in a tin can, and they have no life. And (laughs) that always stuck with me because I thought it was funny that seeing Star Trek references outside of Star Trek. But at the same time, I was just like, yeah, they kind of do scrape the bottom of the barrel when it comes to people's hobbies and free time and everything like that. It's a militaristic show when we see people on the bridge and in their uniforms, and like, yes, I know that you could argue, well, you know, like Riker plays the trombone and Jake Sisko likes to write. Of course, these are fleshed out people, but it's not yeah. the main point of the show.
0: No, no, it does illustrate an important point. For as much as we do get about their personal lives, we really don't get that much. I mean, that's just, I guess, I guess that's just not what the show really is. Yeah. You know, I mean, can you really fault Star Trek for being that way? Maybe from that outsider's perspective. Like the example you just stated, somebody from the outside looking in like, is this all people do is spend time on the bridge? That's their <laughs> life. Wow. How boring. <laughs> but we, the audience that it's intended for, for whatever reason, we're latched in. We don't see it that way.
1: No, we don't. And
0: Although I think that we are always hungry to learn personal details about our characters.
1: I think that's why we're so fascinated by it is because we only get little tiny morsels or table scraps of personal aspects or relationships. I think that's why you and I love the Star Trek Mosaic and Star Trek Pathways, the the two novels, because it's nothing but backstory and relationships for the entire Voyager crew. We love that stuff because we don't get it in the show.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jerry Taylor really went out and gave us those backstories that we do love and it's too bad more of those elements didn't make it into the show. Some did just because she worked on the show, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, it would have been nice.
1: So what would you say is one of one of the most believable Star Trek relationships or or most well-written?
0: Well, okay, I want to start with the original series. Now, I, in terms of believability, I'm not sure where this fits, but it was certainly the truth. Captain Kirk was married to the Enterprise. Oh, my gosh. This was a long, (laughs) ongoing relationship. Really, right off the bat. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's, I mean, there was a reason why he only had Aliens of the Week. It's because he was responsible for one girl. Her name was Enterprise, and that was enough. And as we go through in into the movies where in Star Trek three the original Enterprise is destroyed. I mean, his heart is absolutely broken. And, and then even with the Enterprise A, it's never quite the same. You know, he misses his chair. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, dude, you shouldn't have blown the ship up. But <laughs> there was, I think that was the big reason why, say, things didn't work out for the long term with Carol Marcus or any of the other women he had his romances with. It's because really, at the heart of it all, he loves the Enterprise more than anything.
1: I really do feel like this is a one-sided relationship. Um,
0: well, yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, I think it explains a lot about him.
1: I want to talk about real romance. I want to talk about people interacting with other people uh, okay, and people engaging romances. in relationships. Okay, okay. So so if you want to talk about TOS, let's talk about Kirk and Edith Keeler. What do you think about that? okay, is that a-
0: okay, okay, okay. okay. The very first thing I thought of when you brought up this topic was this romance as kind of the prime example of an episodic romance. You know, one episode, that's all it lasted, done Mm. really well. It's believable that these two characters fell in love. I mean, you're as heartbroken as Kirk when he realized that she has to die. And then when she does die, it hits the heartstrings in all of the right ways. That is a prime example of a good romance romance. In one episode, which is really hard to do, which I think is a point that we'll eventually discuss more about why Star Trek struggles with romance. What do you think?
1: I just kind of echo your comments there. Like To be able to achieve that in one episode, a believable romance to beginning, middle, and end is a feat that isn't normally achieved in Star Trek, where we have one-off romances all the time, whether it's flirtation, attraction, sexual, or something more oftentimes you have to cut corners just because that's the nature of tv that's just how it is
0: right you've got 40 minutes tops to tell a whole story yeah that's pretty condensed
1: so i think that's definitely uh, i think a well-written one because it's so believable in such a short amount of time but with edith keeler and the enterprise shelved if we go back to my original question what do you think is the most believable or well-written star trek romance between two individuals (laughs)
0: Okay. I really want to say it's Tom and Bellana. Okay. I really do. I think when you get to Ladder DS9 with Wharf and Jadzia, and then also on Voyager with Tom and Balana, we're starting to see much more of long term committed relationships that take their time, that doesn't all happen in one episode. And I think both of those romances are are fairly believable.
1: Yeah, I kept going back and forth. I was just like, well, I love Riker and Troy, but I don't think it was well written. Agreed. I love Judsy and Worf because they make such a great match. But uh-huh. I think Tom and Bellana get the top award because we spent so much time with the courtship as well as once they got married and had children. We saw the entire range of emotion from meeting to flirtation to troubles to engaging to getting married to having children it's just like right. we saw the full gambit of the experience
0: exactly i think that's the one thing that edges tom and balana over Worf and jadzia is the completeness of it everything mm-hmm. kind of comes full circle whereas with Worf and jadzia jadzia dies creates that weird dynamic of course then when Ezri's on there and she has to deal with Worf and all of that But yeah, with Tom and Bellana, even though things do start off a little weird because this is Star Trek and they had blood fever where they had to have sex or she was going (laughs) to die. Once they got over that, I mean, okay, you get that going. They were flirting before then and kept going. More often than not, they got that relationship right, I thought.
1: Side note, how shameless is this? Because that is every nerd's dream is to be in a star trek scenario <laughs> and like oh yeah. my god this attractive alien woman needs you to make love to her or she's gonna die
0: it's true that is every teenage boy's wet dream isn't it Ew. you just cringed but i think that's the truth <laughs> truth hurts well,
1: that's a first for uh punch at writing in star trek <laughs> is referencing that um <laughs> But yes, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, about how just ridiculous it is. But it still wins the top spot. Okay, so who do you think, which pairing do you think was the least believable or the worst written?
0: Okay, this is tough because we have some top candidates. It's true.
1: I mean, this could be a top five. But I mean,
0: I love Riker and Troy too, but they, there were so many question marks as for what they were, when they were. Yeah, I don't think the writers really knew what they were doing with these characters a lot. It was so on again, off again. It was really at their convenience where these two were at in any stage of a relationship. Were they kind of playing around? Were they with other people? Mm -hmm. A lot of people like to joke, and I don't know, you could take it seriously, were they swingers? Were they (laughs) in a relationship that they were totally open to having romances with other people? Maybe. So I would say that was a, a poorly written relationship just because it was never well defined. Okay. If they wanted to do on again, off again, fine. But show us that, okay? That's all you had to do. <laughs> and I don't think they did a good job of showing us. And as much as I love Trip into Paul, the way they got that whole thing started was really stupid. With Vulcan neuro pressure.
1: Yeah, that was weird. That was
0: Basically it's like they're doing the Kama Sutra with their clothes on.
1: I feel like it was a they they realized that the decon chamber was so shameless that they needed to shift to something else and this is what they came up with and neither yeah.
0: were good ideas. Honestly, given those two choices, I would have rather they stuck with the decon chamber. <laughs> Cuz at least that had a logical purpose. This was made up to get people interested in the sex appeal.
1: Yeah. It was strange. As much as I love to Paul and Trip together, I think you are right that it, it was it was definitely weird. It was a weird setup. Now I kept going through my lists and everything like that and trying to figure out who was who was the worst written or what was the most unbelievable. And my gut instinct is to go with Riker and Troy, like you're talking about. But at the same time, I've seen relationships like that. I've been in relationships like that where the timing is just never right, but you always have feelings for each other uh-huh. and. While it may not be what the audience wants, because audiences, for the most part, love linear relationships. This is where they got together. This is how they stayed together. This is how it works. And this is how they ended up together. You know, that kind of thing. It's maddening. The Troy and Reich relationship is maddening. You just kiss and make up and get together or <laughs> don't. Just figure it out.
0: <laughs> Maybe that's why we get so invested in it, though, is like, we just want them to kiss. <laughs>
1: But I feel like, and I think this may sound like cheating and this may be like a, uh, I don't know, like a, too much of a, a cliched answer in the fandom, but it's true. It's honest. I have a tie between Chicota and Seven and Wharf and Troy.
0: Okay. Yeah. Both of those are just stink bombs.
1: We invested no time and it was like, you know how we talked about how you can do a good one-off episode romance between... Like with Kirk and Edith Keeler and everything like that, that was a great thing. I feel like you can do a great episode romance between a main character and an alien or a main character and a one-off character, but I don't think it's done well when you have two main characters.
0: Where they just jump in and then all of a sudden this is a thing. Yeah, and I think both of these are prime examples of how that does not work and the audience reception reflects that. It's contrived. It's like, oh, well, let's bring these two together and see what happens. No, barf.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's true. So that's definitely my answer there.
0: Okay, those are good. Can we talk a little bit about like one-off romances that were done well? Because you said a main character with whoever of the week, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I want to bring up one really good example of where it does work and it's not even with a main character. It's Half a Life in TNG, where Loxana Troy falls in love with that guy who's supposed to die.
1: That was a beautifully done episode. That was very well written. And you see these two people of approximate age coming together. And you have Loxana, who's so full of life and doesn't let anything get in her way. And you have this character who is so attracted by that. And then... At the same time, it's this beautiful dichotomy of he's attracted to life at the same time knowing that he's going to have to give up his own. And that's such a great episode.
0: It really is. For 40 minutes, they actually make a somewhat believable romance where we see these two meet, fall in love, they get invested, we get invested, and they're dealing with this horrible situation that ultimately plays out... In a, I don't want to say an unsatisfying manner, but it plays out in the way it has to. He has to die. It's the way his culture works. There's no way around it, despite how much Loxana fights it. And it's heartbreaking, it's very touching. That's a pretty decent hour of TV.
1: Now, you talking about that made me think of another. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere. Playing at LuckyLandSlots.com.
0: Play for free
1: right now. Are you feeling lucky? No proof necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A one-off romance, but I applaud you for coming up with a romance that didn't involve uh, main characters at all. Mine does, but it's in the same show. It's Picard and Kamala, Famke Janssen's character from Perfect Mate. That oh. episode, it was filled with the idea of romance Or the idea of mating and pairing. And you have this woman who's practically being sold into slavery for her ability to conform herself to whatever the man wants. It was a huge issue of human trafficking, feminist values. Does marriage make sense anymore? What is the benefits of marriage? What are the the detractors of it? And everything like that. It had all these issues into one episode. And it's interesting because we don't see Picard's romantic side. All the time, but I do think we get a good exposure of it with Uh Vosh and the woman from Lessons and Beverly and everything like that. But with this one, we got to see a lot of one-on-one time with them and they developed that relationship in one episode. And again, it ended with a heartbreaking note because she permanently conformed herself to Picard's wants and dislikes, but then had to go off and marry some troll king from another planet.
0: (laughs) Poor lady. Yeah. Yeah. That whole thing where respecting other cultures and getting out of the way really, really, really hurts. And actually that shows, I guess it's sort of like half a life in where you're bringing up a lot of social commentary centered around a romance, which Star Trek very rarely does. I don't
1: know. I wouldn't say rarely because I feel like we have well-written relationships about like interracial marriage and marrying outside your culture and how that can be difficult, like with Jadzia and Worf or Belana and Tom or blanking on some other ones. But...
0: <laughs> okay, maybe there's more to that than I'm giving it credit for.
1: Maybe just a little bit, but it's not it's not a banner issue with Star Trek. Although, oh, I would say like going back, if we, we're talking a lot of TNG, but talking about romance as well as social issues, Riker... And the genderless person.
0: Oh, right. Or the yeah. genderless
1: culture. And she had a female gender and she was ostracized. I mean, that, that's Star Trek uh, social issues 101 right there. I mean, regardless of what you thought of that episode, whether it went too far or didn't go too far enough or totally missed uh, representation, uh, it still tried to say something of a social issue.
0: That makes me think of on Enterprise, one of my very favorite episodes from that whole series, Cogenitor, where trip he doesn't fall in love but he develops a friendship Mm -hmm. with her only job basically is to have children for this race she's kind of the third wheel there's the couple they cannot have children without her she's the one who carries it and again it brings up social issues like is this right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of consequences and it ends horribly with her death you kind of question i mean did trip do the right thing or not and That's another heartbreaker. Man, we're bringing up a lot of heartbreaking episodes.
1: (laughs) It's true. I mean, I feel like sometimes those are the ones that you remember the most because of the heartbreak. But I think that's a great episode because, and it links into what we're talking about. Like, even though, like, Tripp didn't fall in love with this genderless person, even though it was played by a female actress, it still involved a romantic pairing. It had a wife and a husband but in this culture, you needed a third party in order to have a, right. have a baby, which is so fascinating. And and then I love how enterprise's theme was: do we interfere with this culture? Do we like? How do we develop that prime directive and everything like that? So that's yeah. neither here nor there. But I, that was one thing I loved about enterprise. So speaking of enterprise, we already talked about Trippin into Paul, and besides that, it was pretty sparse in enterprise.
0: Yeah, there's not a whole lot of romancing going on. I mean, I guess. There is Archer with the captain of the Columbia.
1: Right. They kind right. of
0: have it. Whenever they get together, they're have fun buddies.
1: It's kind of like we're friends that occasionally sleep friends together. Friends with that benefits. Kind of thing. That's yeah. sort
0: of what I get out of that relationship. And it seems to be okay for them because they're both devoted to their ships. They don't see each other that often. But when they do, they're into it.
1: It works. For them. And I think like Hoshi hooked up with like a random alien on shore leave. And uh yeah. And then there was like. Oh, man, Malcolm flirted with an Andorian, but that's pretty much it. That's like the...
0: <laughs> Not a whole lot going on there.
1: Like we had so much... We Okay, so like in Deep Space Nine and Voyager, we had a lot of romance between main characters. But yeah. in TNG, we had a lot of one-off romances.
0: Uh-huh. TOS too.
1: And TOS. And so I wonder why that shift happened. Like what happened in the mid to late 90s? where they put a more emphasis on relationships as opposed to one-off romances
0: Oh that is such a good question. I want to open that one up to our listeners write in and tell us what your theories are or go on our Facebook page hit us up on Twitter. My handle is oh the profanity Tristan, you're the insane Robin or do join nerd party the network's handle and let's start a conversation about this because i don't think there's any one answer i think there's a lot of things going on there things shifting with the times but also the time period in which these shows are taking place might have something to do with it too
1: i would love to hear from you guys and you can also email us too by going to the nerdparty.com/contact selecting punch it from the drop down menu filling out the form all right so one thing that i'm i'm thinking of half a life that made me think about harry kim in the space herpes episode. What oh, was the called? disease. The disease. I feel like it was kind of the, this is going to sound ridiculous, but you have people who are middle-aged connecting on a very real emotional level from life experience and circumstance and situations. And it's just a real connection that you can really latch onto regardless of age. And then you have Harry Kim and this random alien woman in the disease who connect purely on a physical and intimate level. I mean, I know that Harry says that he was in love, but very much that was the match that lit the fire, was their just raw physical attraction to each other. Pure lust, yeah. And it's just funny because you have, you know, like a young couple, middle-aged couple, and just the different dynamics of how it works within Star Trek is fascinating to me.
0: Yeah, I think maybe a part of that is age, but when you look at half a life compared to the disease, I mean, gosh, it really does make Harry look awful. (laughs) (laughs) In terms of the quality of the romance, and uh, it makes it look like puppy love. We've seen a lot of puppy love, honestly, in Star Trek. I mean, a lot of Kirk's romances of the week were kind of like that, where Mm -hmm. we're going to just make out for a little while, and it's cool, but I'm going to hop over to the next planet, and it's over.
1: It was very James Bond-esque.
0: Yes. Yes, very much so. Yeah, I think Harry thought he was in love. I'm not sure how... I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's... I. You know, a lot of help happens because of the the medical condition he was in. I'm sure he thought he was in love. I feel like it was kind of an analogy for teenage love where you just feel like you're in a story of Romeo and Juliet and no one's ever felt this way ever before. And the adults just don't understand me. And you're just like, you're <laughs> an idiot because you're 15.
0: Right, exactly. You get so swept away in what is happening in this moment. You can't see the bigger picture of this is not necessarily for life. It right. might be. But probably not.
1: Now, one thing I do want to mention, because I think one relationship that never gets enough credit is Sisko and Cassidy Yates.
0: Oh, yes, 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 yes. This was on my list. I'm glad you brought this up. Now, what did you think about this romance, this pairing? Did you think it was well executed?
1: I think it was well executed. I think it was well thought out. I think it was very believable for the type of situations that they were in. She was a freighter captain. He was a commander of a a station. And so they led lives that were apart from each other. And they were okay with that. As much as they wanted to be with each other, they had very demanding work schedules. And it worked for them. The amount of time that they saw each other worked for them until it didn't. And then they changed their lives to fit their relationship which is a beautiful thing to do the only thing that i thought was kind of weird was when he sent cassidy to prison and then she gets (laughs) out and they're just like no hard feelings
0: (laughs) you think that would leave a scar on their relationship yeah (laughs) yeah that whole thing aside the rest of it there's a couple of really interesting maybe first time things happening with this particular romance one you have one of our our leaders our captains In a long-term committed relationship. Mm -hmm. And then two, I don't know if we've ever seen people change their lives for family slash relationships. It's always the other way around. It's true. When things got to be too much. A lot of times in Star Trek, if say you get reassigned to another ship or what have you, or if things get to be too much, the relationship is what goes. Here, it's the opposite. They make it work. They put their relationship ahead of their work. That's extraordinary in Star Trek.
1: I've never thought of it that way, but you're so right. That is so painfully accurate. And I feel like that's done, not just in Star Trek, but in media overall, I feel like that's heavily done. Where you're supposed to choose work over family because... You can always find somebody else or like a relationship is whatever. Just make sure it's right for you. It's this very selfish attitude. And I feel like that definitely reverberates in our culture, especially American culture. But within Star Trek, you're right. Like Cassidy and Cisco, they changed their lives in order to fit the relationship opposed the other way around. And they should definitely get the credit for that.
0: It was a nice, refreshing change compared to everything else that we've seen where if it interferes with duty it gets shelved Mm -hmm. no questions asked and you just you have to understand that's the way it is
1: just like with o'brien and keiko they did the same thing their relationship always takes the back burner to their respective careers always
0: that's true and maybe that's why they constantly were just bickering with one another because you have to find that balance and I think in real life if you're really committed to someone you want to make your marriage or your relationship what have you work you put that above everything else you can right. get another job you can live somewhere else but you know what if that's the one for you if that's the right person you put that above everything Everything at least that's how I live my life (laughs) Yeah,
1: and you're and you know uh, You and I have talked a lot about this off the show and in our personal lives about how we feel the exact same way
0: Yeah, you're committed in the same way. I am to our respective spouses
1: your spouse is your life You can always get another job. I mean like people if like if your job is your life, that's fine That that's just not how we live our lives Okay, what we're going to talk about next is a big one. This has been debated by fans talked about by fans for forever ever since it was introduced because it was introduced in the first episode of TNG
0: and we never
1: ever ever got a satisfying end to it and that is Picard and Crusher
0: yeah this is a tough one because they introduced such a great premise the whole thing where there's obviously something between them it's questionable how involved Picard was with Jack's death Mm -hmm. and Yeah, and then there's Wesley, and some people even question Wesley's parentage. I mean, is he really Picard's? Is that why Picard finds Wesley so endearing, sort of? (laughs) They introduced this great thing and then never really capitalized on it. For seven years, it was just sort of, eh. And in fact, I would dare say after the first season, it really fell off the wayside. And then they Mm -hmm. sort of tried to bring it back in season seven with Attached, and we saw a couple of kisses here and there. But then by the time you get to the movies, it's completely dropped. So what happened?
1: It's, yeah, mm. with, with what we got in All Good Things, I mean, I think that's the only answer we're going to get. I think that's the only, we have to make peace with it now that we're <laughs> living in a post-nemesis world. Is that all we got is in an alternate reality. They would have gotten married, but then ultimately divorced. That leaves a sour taste in your mouth, but I feel like that's all we're going to get.
0: And that's why we have the novels because they do get together in the novels. So once oh. again, the novel verse comes to the rescue.
1: Now, one area that the novel verse kind of explained what I want to talk about next is Kess and Neelix. Ooh, okay. Now Kess and Neelix is a weird couple and no one's ever really latched onto it that I know of and
0: (laughs) i think we can agree with that
1: it's just i think like the pathways explains it a little bit more into greater detail about why they're together because it was kind of a savior complex where he rescued her from the kazon from being abused and tortured from the kazon and so she felt like she owed him one and then develops feelings later on besides that i never really felt we got any kind of justification as to why they were together now obviously your brain tends to go towards, well, yeah, we understand why Neelix is with Kess. Kess is beautiful. She's sweet. She's caring. She's endearing. And Neelix is a good soul too. But you're kind of like, why would Kess be with Neelix? Why does it work? We never got an answer. And so I feel like that is a poorly written relationship.
0: I think overall it is poorly written. It's not terribly compelling. It's not that interesting, which is why I think it was a great idea that eventually it fizzled out. And here's why I think they did it in the first place, though. I I think it's a relationship out of convenience. He was there. Like, they both got something out of it. She Mm -hmm. got off of her planet and was able to stay with him. That's what she got out of it. And meanwhile, he has companionship with a Mm -hmm. beautiful lady. That's something Neelix wanted. So there they are. Is it the greatest romance? Not at all, which is why they move on from it. Because once they're on Voyager for a little while and suddenly They're not each other's everything. There's a whole lot more out there to the universe. Voyager opens up a lot of possibilities for both of them, and they don't need each other in the same way. It kind of just ran its course.
1: All right. Well, do you have any other romance, anecdotes, or feelings or thoughts about Star Trek that you want to share before we close up shop?
0: Well, you know, I have a lot of feelings about Janeway and Chakotay, but we've discussed that to exhaustion. We don't need to bring that up. No, just need to put it as a footnote. See every other episode that we've ever recorded. (laughs) That'll take care of that. Other than that, final thoughts. Overall, Star Trek can do really good romance. Star Trek can do really horrible romance. Some of it's a victim to the fact that in episodic TV, it's really hard to write a believable romance if you're not letting it go on from episode to episode. And I can't even say that it gets better with time. I was saying at the very beginning, DS9 and Voyager did better. Enterprise, eh, mm-hmm. not really. Not really. Maybe that's because the show takes place even pre-TOS and just it's that time, sort of. <laughs> that does not explain the neural pressure, but everything else, maybe. And then Discovery, we didn't bring up Burnham and Tyler. I feel like that was well done, but the series is so young. Let's see what happens still.
1: Yes. It's hard to talk about Discovery too terribly much because we've only gotten one season and half the episodes that we're used to for that season. And it's very much in the infant stage. But yeah, there's a a lot of people that we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about Odor and Kira. And we didn't talk about like Bashir and Ezri. We didn't talk about LaForge and... All of those failed relationships that LaForge had. Yes, oh, we, man. there's so much that we didn't talk about. We could very much do a part two and a part three on this. But we want to hear from you guys. What do you think about romance in Star Trek? Do you have a favorite couple? Do you have a, a couple that you never quite latched on to? Just go to the nerdparty.com contact. Select Punch It from the drop down menu. Fill out the form. And for all of our back episodes, you can go to the nerdparty.com Punch It. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. You can find us easily. Char, you mentioned that you're all the profanity on Twitter. I am the Insane Robin. There's no excuse for not being able to contact us.
0: Yeah, talk to us. We love it.
1: So next week, we hope you join us because we are going to continue to punch it.
0: Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.